Focus on Headline. And we've got some major issues to delve in through. So what has been topping the headlines this Thursday? Uh, we're going to have this delivered by our reporters Cha Yun-kyung and Yun Hye-jung in the studio. Great to see you. Uh, Hye-jung, two days straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also Yun-kyung, uh, it's been a while. Oh, yes. All right. Thank you guys for joining us this evening. So we will start off with President Yoon Seok-yeol's overseas trip. He is in Vietnam now, Mm -hmm. uh, but we still have some issues to cover for the first leg uh, of his trip, which is France. So President Yoon Seok-yeol declared the Paris Initiative to ensure digital development benefits uh, humanity uh, on his final day in Paris, uh, meaning detailing out basic principles that the world should follow as a new digital order. So, Yoongyeong, please give us more details. That's right. So, uh, President Yoon Seok-yeol has proposed a new global body and a universal set of norms for digital development. And this was to ensure the freedom and welfare of people around the world and are not harmed by technology. President Yoon announced his so-called Paris Initiative on Wednesday, speaking at the Sorbonne University in French capital. Given the borderless, uh, in immediate and connected nature of digital technologies, Yun mentioned that a universal digital order is needed on a global scale. He first and foremost established that digital advancement should serve to expand human freedom, dignity, and welfare. Second, Yun noted that a clear definition of rights to digital use and assets needs to be clarified to promote active transactions and the development of data. Well, for this, digital access should be open for all, with digital literacy education crucial for such efforts. Yun called for global collaboration to bridge digital literacy gaps. Deeming data and digital information public goods, the president emphasized that fair access and equal opportunity for all should be guaranteed. He further raised the need for a fair evaluation and reward system to incentivize investments and development efforts. Especially in order to to prevent social harm, Yun also said information on social risks must be shared and publicized promptly. With a regulatory system in place, any violation would be deemed illegal and sanctioned. Most importantly, Yun said the international community must join hands in such regulatory efforts. So uh, since President Yoon emphasized this part the most, was there any specific solutions to bring the international community together for those regulatory efforts? Right. Uh, President Yoon proposed creating a global body to standardize and initiate such basic norms within the context of the digital economy and society. To establish the institution, he suggested United Nations organizations could lead the conversation. And since the Paris Initiative evolved from various discussions, including the G20, Davos, and the New York Digital Vision Forum last year, Senior Presidential Secretary for Economic Affairs Choi Sang-mok said a multilateral set of norms will continue to be developed through intellectual discourse. He said the president's initiative is not just limited to AI, but can cover the entire digital spectrum and be applied all over the world in all countries at any stage of their digital transformation. 
You know, digital development is uh, really great, uh, but uh, I think it's really important. It's uh, great that they did discuss the digital literacy gap because mm-hmm. in the past we would talk about uh, illiteracy and literacy, but now mm-hmm. it's also really many people who. For many people, it is difficult to, you know, uh, catch up with the new technology. Right. So, digital literacy gaps, uh, you know, narrowing those gaps is another big issue of modern mm-hmm. uh, society. I would have to say, and mm-hmm. uh, we will still uh, continue with uh, issues in France because during his visit to uh, the country, President Yoon was able to attract 940 million U.S. dollars worth of investment from six European high-tech companies. And that in fields ranging from batteries to future cars and other cutting-edge industries. Hejong, fill us in. Sure. President Yoon Seok-yeol attended a ceremony for investment to meet European business leaders where six high-tech European companies promised to invest 1.2 trillion won or $940 million in Korea. Under the agreement, Emery's, a French battery solution manufacturer, will build a production line for carbon black, which is used in the production of rechargeable batteries, and the Belgium-based Umicore will launch a cathode material production line as well as an R&D center in South Korea. And Continental, a German auto parts company, also plans to build a state-of-the-art auto parts line in the country as well. Other companies include Norway's Equinor and Denmark's CIP, which are planning to build an offshore wind power plant in Korea. And high-performance polymer manufacturer Nylacast pledged to build manufacturing facilities as well, and President Yoon vowed to support them during the process. In shaking hands with the CEOs of each company, President Yoon said that the Korean government is committed to forming the best investment landscape for foreign businesses to invest and create jobs to their full potential. He also added that the government will boldly remove regulations that do not meet global standards and provide clear incentives for companies that contribute to high-tech industries and supply chain stability. And with this latest uh, investment commitment, South Korea has now gained $16.5 billion in overseas investment in just the first half of this year, uh, which is the most ever for the same period. So in line with this success, the presidential office is saying that President Yoon's sales Diplomacy, dubbing him as Korea's number one salesperson, is actually paying off. Right, uh, that's a nickname that President Yoon Seok-yeol himself uh, called. Right. So number one salesman is now on his next stop. So let's uh, fly over to Vietnam as President Yoon Seok-yeol called there for stronger security and defense industrial cooperation between South Korea and Vietnam. Uh, Yoon Kyung, give us more details on uh, the second leg of his trip. That's right. So uh, South Korean President Yoon Seok-yeol arrived in Hanoi on Thursday for a three-day state visit for stronger security cooperation with Vietnam to ensure a rules-based order in the Indo-Pacific region. He also called for the expansion of bilateral ties in the defense industry. Yun made the remarks during an interview with the Vietnamese news agency that South Korea will continue to cooperate with Vietnam in maritime security also. 
Pointing to three decades since the establishment of bilateral diplomatic ties, Yoon said the two nations have built an exemplary, mutually beneficial partnership on all fronts, and it is time to develop a more qualitative, future-oriented relationship. Yun mentioned about his hope to expand cooperation in the defense industry based on South Korea's technological prowess, which has a proven track record in the global market. He also stressed the need to expand their cooperation beyond the manufacturing sector to cover broader fields such as finance, information technology, culture, and service sectors. Not only that, he stressed the importance of human interchanges between the two countries. He then vowed that the government will systematically support human interchanges between the two countries. While in Vietnam, he plans to announce a new grant aid project meant to bolster Vietnam's science and technology capabilities, according to the news agency. So it seems like it's not only about economy. He's also looking mm-hmm. to uh, level up uh, ties with Vietnam on many other fields, such as uh, defense, uh, especially in uh, security cooperation related to the Indo-Pacific region. Uh, But Mm -hmm. Yung this is a a state visit and uh, it is his first one in a Mm -hmm. country uh, among the ASEAN or the Southeast Asian uh, countries. So there's probably a lot uh, on his uh, schedule. So can you give us a rundown of what's expected in the coming days? Yes, currently the South Korean leader is now arrived in Vietnam for his state visit. And for his trip to South Korea's third biggest trading partner, Yun will be accompanied by a 205-member business delegation for an overseas presidential visit. And the official welcoming ceremony, summit, and state dinner will be held on Friday, hosted by Vietnamese President Vo Van Tong, and the leaders are expected to discuss expanding bilateral ties. Yun will also meet with high-profile politicians as well as business leaders and overseas Koreans while there. So the big event, uh, the um, bilateral summit, is coming up on Friday. Right. So let's see what's going to be discussed there. And I'm also very interested about uh, the, you know, the 205-member business delegation because right. it's not only about the conglomerates there, mm-hmm. not only the leaders of Samsung Electronics, mm-hmm. uh, Hyundai Motor Group, and SK are there. But uh, did you guys know that there is one celebrity among this group? I did oh. not know. <laughs> Who is there as a CEO, but it's a celebrity. It's actually Park Jae-bum or Jay Park. Oh. He is among the 205-member delegation because he is the CEO of uh, a soju company. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. So One I found so it very true. interesting as well, because especially because Vietnam is very much into Hallyu or mm-hmm. the Korean mm-hmm. wave. Absolutely. So I think uh, this uh, could also have a you know, positive uh, impacts, not having the, the usual business delegation there. Right, right. So let's see what kind of, you know... Um, Outcomes so will come out out of this state visit, uh, but for now we're going to leave uh, the um, state visit to Vietnam there and move on to some other news. And it is news about the discharge of the contaminated water from the Fukushima power plant uh, in Japan. Now this time, Korean lawmakers from the Justice Party are paying a visit to Japan to protest the water release. We know that earlier we did have the uh, a delegation from the government there, but this time it's the far left justice party so hey tell us what this trip is about 
Well, lawmakers of the minor opposition Justice Party left for Japan today to protest Tokyo's plan to release radioactive water from the crippled Fukushima nuclear plant. Representative Pejingyo, floor leader of the party, deputy, deputy floor leader Representative Yunju, and Representative Kangenmi, who leads the party's special task force opposing the release, departed for Japan today for a three-day trip that includes a visit to the nuclear plant. Now, before before departing at the Kimpo International Airport, Representative Pei told reporters that people's concerns about the release of the Fukushima contaminated water are at the highest level, but the attitude the government is showing are forcing them to harbor suspicions. He also added, quote unquote, that we have concluded that unless the government steps forward, we cannot help but the but to stop the release with the power of the people. And thanks to the cooperation from Japan's Social Democratic Party, we will be able to enter the nuclear plant site and take a look around. And during this trip, the lawmakers will meet with parliamentary members from Japan's largest group opposing the, the discharge of contaminated water to discuss forming an international network to stop the discharge. They will also visit Tokyo Electric Power Company with members of Japan's Social Democratic Party and hold a press conference as well as meet with Japanese civic groups. The following day, they will accompany a radiation research expert on a pro test to visit the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant and identify a possible site for storing contaminated water at the plant. And the team is set to return home on the 24th. So it looks like it's almost the same schedule like the earlier uh, delegation had when right. they were there. But I wonder if they will actually have all the same accesses to the facilities and will also retrieve enough uh, data uh, that they uh, think is uh, needed uh, for this extra trip there. Uh, now, meanwhile, uh, Kim Gi-hyun, the leader of uh, the ruling People Power Party, is scheduled to visit the U.S. and this on the 10th of next month. And uh, this visit is intended for restoring Korea-U.S. parliamentary diplomacy. Yung Young, uh, tell us more. That's right. So uh, Kim Gi-hyun, the leader of the People Power Party, will officially visit the United States from the 10th to the 16th of next month. It has been two and a half months since President Yoon Suk-yeol's state visit to the United States, and with plans to tour Washington, D.C., New York, and Los Angeles, it is reported that he is coordinating the schedule to meet with key figures in U.S. politics. An official from the People Power Party explained that the visit is to restore parliamentary diplomacy between the two countries to mark the 17th anniversary of the Korea-U.S. alliance and to come up with follow-up measures with the U.S. government and congressmen on major issues discussed during President Yoon's state visit. So Representative Kim plans to normalize parliamentary diplomacy between South Korea and the U.S., as we mentioned above, uh, in the wake of his visit to the U.S. and support President Yoon's summit diplomatic achievements, including the Washington Declaration, to lead to practical results. Let's now shift gears to domestic issues. Uh, we're going to move on to some news regarding stalking. Now, for starters, lawmakers in South Korea revised a bill that will mean stalking 
attackers can be subject to criminal punishment regardless of whether the victim has given their consent. Uh, Hedong, you have more on this? Right. Stalkers will now face criminal punishment regardless of a victim's consent following a revision to the Stalking Punishment Act that was passed at a plenary session of the National Assembly on Wednesday. The bill was passed unanimously by all 246 lawmakers attending the session, which is indeed a rare occurrence in Korea's parliament. The initial law legislated in 2021 stipulated that stalkers can be punished only after obtaining the permission of the victim. As a result, the law had been strongly criticized by civic groups for failing to address the core nature of stalking crimes. A lot of stalking victims tend to give up seeking punishment against perpetrators due to fears of retaliation. Mm. And because of that, many perpetrators have avoided criminal punishment after reaching settlements with the victims. Now, eliminating the controversial clause of the act was a campaign pledge made by President Yoon Seok-yeol, who vowed to get tough on the crimes against women. And the revision had been eagerly sought after the existing law's flaws were exposed in the Shindang subway station murder case in Seoul last year, where a 28-year-old female subway employee was stabbed to death by a former co-worker who had been stalking her for three years. Now, what's appalling is that the stalker, a 31-year-old man, committed murder while he was on trial for stalking without detention. Crime analysts said at the time that stalkers were taking advantage of the so-called consent loophole by threatening victims to withdraw their complaints. Wednesday's revision will also allow courts, if they judge it necessary, to protect victims during hearings and to require stalkers to wear electronic anklets even before conviction. Perpetrators who remove or damage the devices will face imprisonment up to three years or fine up to 30 million won, which is around 23,000 U.S. dollars. The revision also classifies acts of recklessly sending texts, photos, or video files through electronic devices as stalking, providing the personal information or location of victims to third parties, or stealing such information to impersonate them online will be criminalized as well. Really, let's do hope that all of these uh, loopholes uh, will be closed. I mean, I do remember that subway station murder case in uh, Shindang, Shindangyeok or Shindang Station, where many people were angered about mm-hmm. this, especially because there seemed to be ways to have prevented that. Right. Uh, so this is uh, definitely good news that they are working on this, but let's right. really do hope that it will happen fast. Mm-hmm. Now, we will also move over to other domestic policy issues uh, This time, it's about the education. Mm -hmm. The so-called high school credit system will be fully implemented in 2025, and the nine-level relative grading system will be maintained. Yoongyung, tell us more about the details here. Yes, so so from the 2025 school year, when second-year middle school students go to high school this year, the high school credit system will be fully implemented. The high school credit system is known as a policy that students get to select the subject 
subjects they want and take as many credits as set for graduation. The Ministry of Education announced a plan to enhance the competitiveness for public education at the Seoul government complex on the 21st. As a result, for common subjects that high school freshmen usually take, the nine-level relative grading system will be maintained. However, Korean history and scientific research experiments will not be graded in class ranking. The elective courses that second and third graders usually take will be converted to the performance evaluation system of five grade absolute evaluation methods such as grade A, B, C, D, and E. The Ministry of Education said that they reviewed various measures such as performance evaluation system for common subjects, five-level grading system, and etc. But there were concerns about securing reliability, fairness, and discrimination of uh, college entrants. So the Ministry of Education decided to establish a three-stage inspection system for schools, education offices, and external inspection teams to operate an evaluation management center to increase the reliability of the performance evaluation system. In addition, considering the large variation in establishment subjects by school and region, the government will expand the number of public online schools from the current 4 to 17 by 2025. Uh, this is something that I cannot really relate to because I didn't go to... Mm. I mean, I, I did go to a Korean high school for around a year. Uh, what about you guys? I went to a Korean high school. Yeah, yeah. and uh, about a year or two. Oh, and really? I graduated high school in America. Oh, mm. I see. So what do yeah. you guys think about uh, these revisions? Because to me, uh, mm -hmm. it seems like there are too many revisions regarding education, oh, but the year. essence never mm -hmm. changes. It's just my own opinion. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Is this a good development? Uh, well... Uh, why did you want to <laughs> yeah. go first? Uh, One year versus three years. So, yes. uh, I mean, it's been quite a while since I graduated high school, but mm. as you said, like, really, this it seems like it was just like three years ago. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, it does change like every year, and for the students and parents as well as teachers, I think the changes are pretty hard to catch up as there are updates every year. Mm. And I think the students are going to be hit the hardest because they have to adjust and understand the new grading system and whether it's whether or not it's going to be good for their college entrance entrance is i don't know oh, they'll mm -hmm. have to see but uh for sure they do need time to adjust to these changes so i'm not sure if it's a good thing that there are changes this often mm, i think uh, many many people will be on the same page what about you Yunga? well in my opinion for a student like me uh i think it's a good change because um i do pretty well on the subjects that i really like okay and for, <laughs> for the subject that i really don't like i i kind of somewhere over there so um, since it's uh, it's the policy that that's change and give a chance to students to get to select the subject they want. And, you know, like as long as they take the credits for their graduation, um, I think I can I think they can excel on the subjects that they like. So that could possibly work well for their college entrance. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that uh, this has to be covered well. I mean, the gap between the schools, you know, by schools and the regions, like, of course. you know, yeah, mm -hmm. there, you know, if there is difference between the establishment subjects, then, you know, some students can be, you know, like discriminated. So uh, as long as this is covered well, pretty much, I think for students 
for like me <laughs> will do good on this new um yeah policy let's so. hope for the best i think the really important thing is that these kids these students need enough time to adjust right. uh okay mm-hmm. let's uh let's leave the education issue there for now and move on to other issues we have some good news from korean businesses because it seems that kia america was listed on times 100 most influential companies list and that's thanks to its electric vehicle sales in the U.S. Hezong, you have more. Now, Time magazine is out with its 100 most influential companies list for 2023, and Kia America has been listed in the innovators category for its unexpected race to the top of EV sales in the U.S. Every year since 2021, Time magazine releases its annual list of 100 most influential companies split into five categories, uh, leaders, disruptors, innovators, titans, and pioneers. And for this year's list, three South Korean companies have made it to the top 100. Samsung and SK Group were listed under the Titans category as smartphone trendsetters and battery makers. And Kia America made it to the top of the list in the innovators categories because of their electric vehicle sales. Now, Kia's vehicles have a new reputation. Kia America president and CEO Yoon Seung-gyu said during an interview with Time magazine that people are surprised when they get into a Kia vehicle because it's not the Kia car they remember. And in 2022, last year, 60% of its customers were actually new to the brand. Now, Tesla still holds pole position in the U.S. market uh, regarding electric vehicle sales, but Kia America shed its reputation for inexpensive cars and hit a new annual sales record in 2022 with its launch of the new EV6 crossover, which took the brand into second place in electronic vehicle sales for the most of the year in the U.S. Now, Kia America has been harmed by last year's Inflation Reduction Act, which requires EVs to be assembled in North America in order to qualify for tax credits. But CEO Yoon says the company is gradually overcoming the challenge thanks to the tax credits offered for leasing. And in order to stay in the race for U.S. electric vehicle dominance, Kia is planning to begin production of their newest EV, the EV9, in West Point, Georgia next year, and 15 EV models are planned for Kia's global lineup by 2027. Congratulations uh, to uh, these uh, achievements by Korean companies and EVs in particular. But I think this next story is also very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Korean startup Blind was ranked one of top 100 companies by the U.S. Time magazine. And it was side by side with world renowned companies like Apple and OpenAI. So Yoongyung, fill us in on this. And I, uh, OK, I'll mention it later, but I have some experiences with Blind as oh, well. Oh, really? That's why. <laughs> wait to hear Go ahead it. first. OK, yes, Noah. Uh, Blind, an anonymous community for office workers, was selected as a top 100 most influential companies in the world, announced by Time, the U.S. weekly magazine, for the first time as a Korean startup. Blind has become a community that office workers freely share the grievances and sorrows from workplaces in Korea, and now it has established itself as a place for employees of major big tech companies to talk about their, their salaries and turn over even in the United States. 
On the 21st local time, Time released a list of the Time 100 most influential companies 2023 on its website, and Blind was named on the list along with global companies such as Apple, Microsoft, and Disney. Time explained about Blind that it was virtually the only channel for office workers to communicate at the time of the massive job losses that shook Silicon Valley late last year. It was surprising that more than 95% of Twitter employees are blind subscribers, and workers discuss uh, basically everything from their visa issues, mental health, and organizational unethical practices in the blind. Blind was selected for the pioneers category this year, and in this category, Google DeepMind, an AlphaGo developer, and Novo Nordisk, the world's first diabetes treatment developer, were listed along with blind. And last year, ChatGPT developer OpenAI was selected for this category. So Blind is an anonymous social platform for office workers launched in Korea in 2013. And it is described as Korean startup because its CEO is Korean and also it was launched in Korea for the first time. So even though its headquarters is in Silicon Valley in the US. It has become a community used by 9 million people around the world now. And in particular, in the United States, more than 80% of employees of major IT companies such as Meta and Uber use Blind. Mm. So uh, I've been uh, I, I, I've been also thinking of this company as a Korean startup because I think mm-hmm. I saw the CEO on a very famous mm-hmm. um, in- interview show in mm-hmm. Korea mm-hmm. called YouQuiz and mm-hmm. uh, right, right, right. talked about uh, this uh, platform. And uh, have you guys ever used it before? I've done it, yes. So uh, <laughs> what about you, Hyeton? Uh, I mean, I know about it, but I've never bothered to, you know, use it. Oh, maybe it. that's better <laughs> if you don't bother bother about it. But I used to uh, use it when I was a uh, full-time worker at mm. Arirang TV, Ooh. which I'm not right now. I'm a freelancer. So back yes. then, I was inside the Arirang TV mm. blind, yes, yes. Uh, category, I should say. And okay. <laughs> I made it sound as if I have something really uh, interesting to say, but actually that's it. No pressure. No, that's it because I don't think I should reveal anything that's on blind. (laughs) But it was interesting. And sometimes it felt as if you could, if you read the message, this sounds like some... Pujangnim, or I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I think I know who that is. Yeah, because sometimes, although it is anonymous, you can kind of right, tell right. by how they mm. write right. uh, in there. Right, so, right. okay, so, okay, congratulations to Blind. And now let's move on to more serious issues. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Ukraine as we're going to cover some issues surrounding uh, the Russia-Ukraine war. The European Union agreed on Wednesday to slap Russia with a new raft of sanctions in response uh, to the invasion. So Hedong, you have the latest on this. Right. European Union governments tentatively agreed on Wednesday to the 11th package of sanctions against Russia over its invasion of Ukraine aimed at stopping other countries and companies from circumventing existing measures. Now, the new package, tweeted by Sweden, which currently holds the rotating EU presidency, forbids transit via Russia of an expanded list of goods and technologies which might aid Russia's military or security sector. The full list of sanctions is still subject to final approval by the EU Council, so details are not yet available. However, the EU has repeatedly stated that the 11th round of sanctions will focus on cracking down on behavior that evades the pre-existing 
lifting rounds of sanctions. Certain companies in third countries are expected to face sanctions if they are found to have sent EU-made goods to first to their home countries and then uh, if they have sold them back to Russia. Mm -hmm. The most likely targets would be companies from Central Asian countries such as Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. These countries have seen an unusual surge in imports of EU goods since the outbreak of the war in Ukraine, raising suspicions that they are being used as a route to circumvent Russian sanctions. And the sanctions will also make it possible to impose restrictions on the sale of sensitive dual-use goods and technologies to countries that could perhaps sell it on, sell it over to Russia and expand the list of restricted items that could serve Russia's defense sector. Now, this suggests the possibility of extraterritorial application of sanctions, not only against Russia, but also against third parties with close ties to Russia. However, given the sensitivity of the issue, this measure will only be triggered in exceptional cases, according to EU officials. And another issue in the 11th round of sanctions was whether to include Chinese companies on the list. The original draft prepared by the commission reportedly included at least five Chinese companies specifically targeted for sanctions, but all were removed in the final version. Now, according to Reuters, after the sanctions draft was leaked to the media last month in a high-level meeting between the European Commission and China, China promised to pressure its companies to stop selling products to Russia. The EU Council will attempt to finalize the version as early as today, and if it is finalized, the new sanctions are expected to take effect starting the 23rd. I was wondering... uh about whether Chinese companies would be included here or not, because mm-hmm. China in recent uh, weeks has been quite strongly, uh, you know, mentioning its opposition against the war right. in Ukraine. So although uh, Beijing and Moscow have these close ties, I think in the case of uh, this situation, mm-hmm. it, it's fair to, you know, remove Chinese companies mm-hmm. off this uh, final draft. Uh, now, uh, finally, uh, Ukraine suggested that it takes 7.8 trillion Korean won a year for reconstruction during the so-called Ukraine Recovery Conference held in London. Yung-Yung, give us more details. That's right. So uh, while Ukraine has suggested a reconstruction expense worth of 7.8 trillion won for a year, major Western countries such as the United States, the United Kingdom, and the United U- and the European Union have announced plans to provide billions of dollars for additional aid. At the Ukraine Recovery Conference in London on the 20th first local time, major Western countries promised to provide non-military assistance to Ukraine to rebuild its infrastructure, fight corruption, and meet with EU membership conditions. They also vowed to hold Russia responsible for the war and bear the cost of rebuilding Ukraine. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said on the same day that the U.S. will provide an additional 1.3 U.S. dollar, 1.3 billion U.S. dollars to Ukraine. 
And British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced that he would create a war insurance framework guaranteed by the G7 to encourage private investors to participate in reconstruction projects in Ukraine. At the same time, French Foreign Minister Catherine Colonna, chairman of the European Union Ursula von der Leyen, also mentioned that they will continue to support Ukraine in various ways. So, Yung Kyung, what was the stance of uh, the South Korean government toward the support and reconstruction of Ukraine? Yeah, so uh, South Korea also pledged additional support for Ukraine at the Ukraine Recovery Conference. Government Policy Coordination Minister Pang Mun-gyu attended a two-day conference in London focused on Ukraine's post-war recovery that we were talking about. And Bang told the conference that South Korea would provide an additional 130 million U.S. dollars this year, in addition to the 100 million dollars given last year to Kyiv. And the Office for Government Policy Coordination under the Prime Minister's office said in a press release. And Bang said that South Korea will be able to support the reconstruction of essential infrastructure and the restoration of basic social services, drawing from its experience in post-war economic development. Also, he emphasized the crucial role of the private sector in leading the way by applying its expertise and supporting Ukraine's recovery. All right, uh, that's all the time we have today. Thank you very much for those updates, Yoongyung and Haejong. Have a great rest of the evening. Thank, Thank you. you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.